Let's get started, have a show. I'm from East New York, Brooklyn. I take a lot of pride in my neighborhood, you know. Those you that haven't been there before, keep it that way. And I wanted to do a whole bunch of stupid shit. I can't have that, it's gonna ruin my street cred. I'm like, yeah, like we, we kind of friends. But just understand, a son of an immigrant, and that's why I'm immigrant man. Fire. Thank you, Thank Fire. you very much. Thank you very much, brother. Is that uh, audio from the special? <clears throat> yeah, it's all like random lines from the special that we just kind of put in there. Um, the homie Peter Anthony Red, the director, also uh, handled the the trailer there. So, yeah, it's all nice. his work. Nice. And in case you're disoriented, I'm Eggy. This is Eggs on Everything. And we sitting here with Gaster Almonte. Yo, yo. And my man Julio Diaz. What's up, brother? Uh, coming through to come back and shit on me, apparently, because <laughs> after reviewing <laughs> the full bracket, they was like, bro, this bracket is trash. <laughs> See this shit? This, this is nonsense, Julio. It's, it's, you know what it is? It's, it's, it's that, listen, look. I'm 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 looking at the specials and I started off, yo, let me pick my favorite specials. I'm gonna just pick my favorite specials. And then I'm like, yo, you know what? I can't rely on my own sense of humor right. to determine everything that should be on this bracket. So let me reach out to some people around me, see what they recommend, see what they bring up. And then I started to build it out. Okay. So you know what? I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna cop no please. I want you to tell me the first question that I wanna hear, the, the first question that I have for you, Gaster, is what is the special on that list that has no business being on a comedy bracket list? Well, so first, let me not let me not diss. Nothing here is whack. Everything here is very good, actually. It's just you're you're building a bracket for top sixteen best specials. There's shit here that just isn't that. Like it just is what it is. Like Michael Che Matters, very good special, incredibly shot. Is it top 16 specials all time? Like, we doing a bracket? <laughs> and that shit made the cut? I don't know, man. That's like, like if this was the fifth seed of this year, cool. I'm with you. But, like, top 16 ever, I don't think it's in that convo. And that's kind of like the issue I had with a few of them. You know, um, uh, why do I do this? Another one. Great special. I don't think it's his best. Um, seriously funny. I don't think any of those should be in that ranking. You know. Um, I don't have any Kevin Hart ones in my in my top sixteen. I think he's consistently pretty good at specials, and it's a choice he makes. I think that he decided I'm gonna put out an hour every fucking year, and in turn that kind of hurts your ability to fine tune the perfect hour like a lot of the other ones here did. So again, not a diss. It's a it's a it's a choice he made as an artist. It's like the Jay Z Nas thing. I'm gonna put out an album yearly. I'm gonna take a hit on not making necessarily a classic every time out, and hope that I land on classics along the way. But yeah, just like those, just like jumped out at me like, yo, there's no way I, I can't rep the 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 freaking uh, chronic masturbator. So yeah. regardless of how good it was, unfortunately you get demoted. It's like you know Reggie Bush lost his Heisman. You can't be in the bracket now. You know, so it is what it is. All right, listen, look. Before those we, are those are the four that I just like. They they gotta go. Before we continue, though, I'm not gonna sit here and let you slander Jay Z. Talking about hopefully I get a classic. That's they, why. They, and they landed. I'm a Brooklyn uh, yeah. dude. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm just saying that when he's going, when he's deciding 
on whether I'm going to focus on making the best album ever or am I going to make a good album every year. He chose, I'm going to make a good album every year, and every now and then, I'm going to hit on a classic. He's playing a math game. Whereas like someone like Anaz ironically has less classics than Jay, but he clearly decided, yo, you know what? I, I can't go out yearly. It, my process requires time. And that's what he did. Even though, to your point, Jay still has more classics in my opinion, but his approach wasn't classic in mind. It was the the the, the continuity of putting out something yearly. And I think Kevin Hart is in that vein. I think he's saying, you know what? Every year I'm going to give you something pretty good. And while none of my joints might be viewed as the best, Overall, I'm going to get viewed as a great because my body of work is crazy. And that's, mm. I think, the choice Jay made. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm at with that. So if you're putting Kevin Hart here as a top 16 most successful comics, 100% he's on the bracket. But I don't think any of his specials would be top 16 special all time. All right, cool. So you're taking out Michael Che Matters, which crazy made it all the way to the final piece. I love that special. I feel like it's like, I feel like is is underrated is uh, dramatically underrated and part of it is the funny thing about comedy and the reason why we didn't have a final winner right. overall for the bracket and instead i chose to have you guys come in here and shit on me is because <laughs> ultimately comedy is 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 super um subjective subjective yeah it's super subjective and the moment in time when i saw my, the michael shea special i did not expect it to be funny at all so, you know, when you walk into something and I, I walked in there and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I've seen him on SNL. I had no idea of his history. Like, I never, you know, like, and even I knew he was on SNL. I never seen him on SNL. Um, so then when I went in there, it was like super low expectations, super high delivery. And I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. And he has my favorite 9-11 joke of all time. <laughs> so it's like that, like, that's a, that's a classic joke to me. But and it, 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 again, to be clear, it is realistic to me. I think that year I have it like top three. Yeah, it is an exceptionally well done hour. Yeah, um, it's just we're talking. You're, you're telling me top sixteen ever mm -hmm. that changes the dynamic. Really dope, special, incredible performer. Dude is like a fucking savant in my opinion at yeah. heart because of how quickly he went from first day of telling jokes to mastering the art. Like, don't get it twisted. That is a dope hour. Yeah, it's just you're telling me best sixteen ever. It, it, that the answer is different. Also, when we talked about it last time, um, if you're telling me top 16 hours based purely on what the performer did versus the full package changes my answer, and Michael Che would be a lot higher because yeah. I think he uh, the 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 aesthetics of the visual are incredible. Netflix and the director of that special clearly did incredible work. It looks beautiful. Set design exceptional. Uh, the, it's one of the few specials where I think the uh, the actual music played a dope role, um, both in the intro and outro, and having the band visibly there. I think all those things matter, and it's part of what I think uh, isn't getting looked at enough currently in the sense that specials are too generic. It's just dude standing in front of a mic performing. He clearly thought all that shit out. He has a very specific look he was going for. He wanted to be as far into the room as possible, created the T-shaped uh, staging so that he could be further in than normal, even though that's a, a space that isn't meant for those type of performances. It's an open gallery space yeah. that they converted for that show. So all of that, uh, like I, I think if you're counting that as the special, then yes, it gets weighed differently. Okay. Um, Julio, mm -hmm. which one of these specials do you think you could live without. You get him the fuck out of here. We're not gonna call him whack, but 
Julio's gonna call him out. Hey, don't don't get us like banned from jobs and shit. <laughs> nah, yo, yo, yo Julio, man, I was trying to get this job, but SNL, this fucking Michael Che burnt me now. <laughs> he won't hire us. That'd be, that'd be wild to be a comedian with like a no sense of humor. Like, yo, niggas can't make fun of you. That's crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, um, he gets a bad rap for it, but Kevin is kind of like that. Where um, if you have a, a following or if you're up there and then you say something that could be deemed as not supportive. Yeah, he'll come at you for that. Not supportive. You feel me? Like wild <laughs> term. Because that's how I take it. Because yeah. he'll say something about people. And granted, they are coming for him. Mm-hmm. As you know, people. Are, if you're if you're number one and people have something to say, but they're gonna say it. Watch yeah. the throne. Yeah. All right. So Kevin Hart's not on this list for you. We taking Kevin Hart. No, 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 no. no. I, oh. I didn't mean to bring it up like so, that. So Kevin Hart, fuck, fuck Kevin Hart. I, I fuck with Kevin Hart. I'm really not do. supporting him. <laughs> no, nah, I, I fuck with <laughs> Kevin Hart. But I meant to say some people will take it emotional. But yeah. um, I ain't gonna lie. There's a couple of here that I haven't listened to. That's fair. So that's that's a good reason as any to not have him on the bracket. That's you know. Um, that's a tough question for me. I feel like. If you had it here, it was here for a reason, so I don't want to shit on it. Nah, shit on it. If you haven't heard it, it hasn't had its effect. It, ha- it doesn't have the desired effect if you've never heard of it. Who's No Refunds by that? Um, no Refunds is you were showing Doug me that last Stanhope. Time, right? yeah. yeah, Doug Stanhope. All right. Um, that one's out of here. And it's cool because they're not out of here forever. Yeah. Only because I haven't listened to it because what you showed me last time that I was here, yeah. I fucked with. Yeah. Yo, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't like how... You sent me up here first. I gave real answers. <laughs> and now you're giving my man PC. like all the freaking PC, PC space in PC. the world. I'm coming for you. Hey, yo, listen, man. No, you, you, don't need to, you don't need to choose anything. To kill all of them. Tell me you who's why. Just tell bro. me you haven't heard so that you could be okay. Nah, yeah, just give me three so that we could replace them with three specials you nah, do like. Now nah, burning bridges over nah. there. Gas <laughs> ain't got no industry I'm fine. friends. That's it. I'm over. Well, it's a good it. thing. You put Everything's all your shit out yourself, bro. Yeah, I'm going to need to now. Yeah, now you need to. Yeah, so, man. Um, yeah, I'll make it easier for you, bro. If I give you names, it's only because I haven't listened to it, all right? All right. Okay, I'm fair. not going to rate it. I just have not listened to it. I have heard all of them either, man. No, no stress. Um, Pim Chronicles, I'm, that's by Cat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Haven't listened to it. That's mm-hmm. the only reason why I wouldn't yeah. put it here. But I, it's Cat. So, granted, I'm not talking shit. Um, and then who's jamming in New York? Uh, George Carlin. I ain't going to front. That's the OG. So, when I say it, it's, it's just because I haven't listened to it. Yeah. That's All right, it. cool. So we, we each took three out. And your three were more based on the fact that you just never just heard of them. You haven't got it. to it. I'm real you, subjective and, and I'm pop, I'm political. I really do believe yeah. in giving the political answer. And, I, and you've been eating mad kale, bro. You looking good. You dropped some weight. You can't, you can't be hateful after eating kale, nah, bro. You, really bro. <laughs> you should have had some snacks, <laughs> mac and cheese or something, bro. Nah, um, yo, all right. So we got rid of three. We got rid of three specials. Let's get rid of those three specials. I, now, uh, we can show some love now, right? We we got the hate out the way. Gastor doesn't like Kevin Hart. He doesn't like Hold Michael Shea. And again, he I doesn't like not, Bill Burr. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's top 16 ranking. I didn't say that either. And Hold on. Just throw me under the bus now. <laughs> now I, I, like I said, all these are exceptional hours, but in terms of top 16, yeah. those would be the ones that I would remove. Yeah. Of um, course. And and that's the beautiful thing about about comedy also. the the, the, the Is subjectivity a word? Uh, yeah, it's think, it's, it's right. so subjective that it's really you could go back and forth for hours on it. It's, mm-hmm. it's like hip hop, you know what I mean? It's, it's like any other art or any other complex art. You could really just go at it for hours yeah. because every single art got to our eyes for a reason. You right, know what right. I mean? Like it, the whack shit never sees the light of day. You know what I mean? No. Um. So give me a special, uh, either one of you guys, 
that's not on this list that you felt needs to be on any top 16 list? You go. You go? Yeah, yeah. So I'm real big Um, like, you touched on it with the Michael Che thing in the sense that because of when it came out to you, um, it mattered more. I think that the time of, I think that there's, like, moments when uh, every, there, that there's a comic of the moment. I think Chappelle was that for a while. Mm-hmm. I think we're currently, especially as New York comics, we're kind of witnessing that with Roy Wood Jr., and I think uh, like like his father figure is kind of that to me right now. I feel that he's a comic that is kind of like currently uh, starting to get viewed as oh this might be the next like goat like type shit. Like he's in that convo that he's starting to make an argument for. He's the comic that I've seen most consistently crushing the club, local bar, whatever type of show you're running scene, and still putting out incredible hours. He's co-signed by people up and down in terms of. Uh, their current status in the game, people ahead of him, people below him, they all kind of view him as like, yo, this guy's got it right now. So he's someone that I think is starting to get in that pocket of he might be the next guy. He's clearly right now the, I think he's the senior correspondent on the show, so he has like the whole comedy audience seeing him on a daily show regularly, and he's touring and crushing. So uh, his hour, I think, um, is going to get viewed in that like light uh, when people kind of look back on it. He has um, an hour coming up? or He's had uh, two specials out, two specials? Uh, both on Comedy Central. Um, and I think Father Figure is perfect to me. Um, he is, uh, it, it's uh, and it just because of minor decisions he made during the special that I think were very unique um, in the sense that right off the bat, the first one being something that not every comic can do until you're at a certain level of fame. Um, but when you're at a certain level, you kind of recognize it's a home game, right? Realistically, you, the crowd is there to see you. So because of that, he made a choice that I thought not enough comics do, which is the very first joke is almost like the middle of the special. There's no, thanks for coming out, how y'all doing Chicago, none of that. He trimmed every single ounce of fat from the from the freaking special. If you watch it from the second he's on stage, the first bit is like a five-minute bit. It's no like, I'm going to give you all these like little punchlines, I'm going to build trust that we have to do as comics because no one knows us he has he has enough uh respect for the art and respect for the audience to acknowledge you already know me you rock with me i don't need to earn your respect i'm gonna go right to the material you came here for so i'm gonna give you a full hour of premium versus realistically when i do a show when you do a show you do 20 minutes i do 20 minutes at a room I got to spend five minutes earning that right. So I got to give you easier material that's quicker to get laughs so that then you'll rock with me for this hour. Because this is what I really want to get to this last like 15, 20 minutes. And most comics out of habit still do that with their specials. They always start, hey, how y'all doing? Oh, calm down. Or they'll make some generic Mm. crowd joke to get them with them. He goes right to it. And I thought it was exceptional. Um, In terms of newer comics, um, I like the Michael Che hour a lot. If I were to pick an hour... Uh, today of a newer comic, I'd probably go with Sam J. I thought her uh, her hour was incredible. Um, it was uh, again an hour, um, and, and I, I mean you kind of have to balance here because it's not on, it's not visual. So I guess I, it, it would be out of the special aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It's strictly an audio album, um, but it's an album that I feel um, takes advantage of the fact that it's an album, meaning there's things that she did that were exceptional in the performance, but also were enhanced by the fact that she knew how you were going to take in this medium. What's it called? Um, uh, Sam J's, uh, Donna's daughter, Donna, Donna's daughter. So in her hour, she does a lot of cool things. Like, uh, she interjected real life conversations she had with people that led into bits. 
Um, and it's something that, again, it makes it, it shows me someone that was aware of what they were creating, and they specifically made it for the medium. They were like, okay, this is special. This is a unique thing. Yes, you can see me live and hear these jokes, but because you're going to watch it from home, I need, to, I need to do something different besides just standing in front of a microphone. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'd probably, uh, again, if I was looking at newer recent hours, I'd probably look at Janelle James, uh, Black and Mild. Yeah. Thought it was really dope. Janelle really James. Well known. Yeah. Really, really well done. She's a freaking awesome comic. Um, and it's the reason I bring up both of those also is because one of my beefs with this bracket, I didn't see a single female. <laughs> um, and and it's, it's, one of, it's one of the things that I've fought quite often in the sense that uh, you hear it often. It's, it's, it's a thought that a lot of people have that women aren't funny, and I disagree with it adamantly. Um, mainly because even if you don't agree that a particular woman is funny, clearly there's enough women that are funny because there's festivals that only book women. So it's yeah. impossible that there's freaking 100 yeah. seats taken by them, you know? You know, it's not that women ain't funny. And I feel like it's crazy because I was... um So when I'm building out the bracket, after I, after I did the whole thing, mm. and I'm just being genuinely honest here, after I built the whole thing, I was like, oh, shit, there's no women on this list. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself trying to go out and look for women to put on the list. And then I felt like that's also kind of wrong on my part because it's like, it's like I built the list out, you know, just just building out the, the specials that I like, checking out the specials that were suggested to me. And there were women that were suggested in the specials to me, but the, it just wasn't the right specials. And um, and then after I had built out the whole list, I kind of like affirmative action myself where I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go out and try to find a, 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 a special from a female comedian. And it's like. I didn't feel I didn't I didn't feel like I had to do that, but then also at the same time I felt like I just need exposure to more female comics. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like I didn't I can't just I I could obviously, but I didn't want to just go on like Google and be like female comedian. You know what I mean? Right. And then go through all of that. And in the process, I I, I I was introduced to a couple female comedians, and now I know Sam J and Janelle James are two more comedians to to look up because I think that just from a woman's perspective, perspective, getting the comedy from them. It's something that like it's gonna be a completely different perspective. I, I feel like like it's it's a a tale as old as time that men and women think different mm-hmm. or like they're not the same or whatever the case is. And you know, obviously, in some aspects it's true, and some aspects is is absolutely false. But in this case, I feel like it's true. I feel like that the funny is gonna come from a different space. It's gonna come from a different place, and I'm interested in checking that out. I did have. Two female comedians come on the show. Dope. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, you did, you, I had my, I, I did my affirmative action you piece. Go. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Um, Julio, yeah. what's a special that that you watched that that wasn't on this list that you feel like is is definitely a worthwhile special? Just so you know, Julio, I'm waiting for you to say one reckless thing. I'm so out. I just want one thing. Yeah, one. You don't even need to be about comedy at this point. Like, yo, McDonald's fucking sucks. <laughs> for me, for my heart, you know what I mean? You are the most calm Brooklyn person I've met so far. I need one reckless thing from you so far. That's it. That's all I'm asking for. Every now and then, yeah, I'll get something. Um, I just, I know how to word myself to where it's not confrontation. Nah, You'll go further than I will. People who like you. Let's do this. Um, Let me see. You got my elephant in the room. I'm. I'm. I wanted to ask you who the hell picked. I don't, no disrespect, but who picked my, you? Who pick, 
Yeah, Michael Chill Valley in the room. Talking to the mic, Julio. For real? That's the reckless moment. Go. That's we crazy. It. It. Let's go. Why? Why? I have to know why. Why did you? I'll answer your question, but this is a tangent that I needed to get. Why, bro? Because of what we talked about before. When I think of a special, I think that you need to do something. When when you're doing a special. You need to think about the entire project, meaning it is not just about what the comedian did for the hour. Hour for hour, the performance in the room, elephant in the room all day. What I'm saying is there is more aspects to the special that you need to judge. There's an artistic aspect of how it's shot. The cinematography matters to me. The, the setting matters to me. The music choices matter to me. Not as much as the performance, but it does matter. And when I look at the aesthetic of the two of them, one of them spent way more time making sure that everything about the special was as good as the hour, and one of them did not. And I don't think it's, it's even close to me in that regard. So when I grade both of them, I think of Elephant in the Room, strictly the stand-up, A-plus performance, whereas Che was probably an A-minus. Really good performance, really exceptional hour, not as good as, as Elephant in the Room. But in turn, when I think of the whole product of what he did, meaning the director combined with Michael Che, the color correction, the stage setting, I think he won that. You know, so again, I'm not picking Elephant in the Room, the hour performance over Che's. I'm picking Che's total piece over Elephant in the Room. And it should also be proof, by the way, that I'm not shitting on Che because I still chose him <laughs> over that. So yeah, I, I cover myself. But yeah, I hear you. Wow. And I, I think in terms of the hour performance, it's exceptional. Um, I also, I also, it's also part of what makes me sad because he's probably one of the last hours recorded by a modern legend that came in before people started making this shift to like, oh shit, we should do more with this fucking thing. You know, like up until that point, everyone shot the special the same way. Stand in front of the crowd, mic stand, perform. And we have fucking $30,000 cameras just shooting straight. It's stupid. We have so many more things that we could do with the technology that clearly movies are doing. Why weren't we experimenting more with the medium that allows us to do that, that makes this, the special or the album, different than just seeing me perform at the club? When you see me at a club, it's one thing that's special. When you see me on a special, it should be the best hour that I've tailored at the club combined with a few other things that's only possible when I look at it at home. Okay. So when I think of all that, Michael Che did that. Elephant in the Room did not. I respect that. Uh, I, I can't say nothing to that. I respect that. You soft, bro. You getting soft on me, bro. You got you to gotta leave the <laughs> kale alone, bro. I just, I just heard his podcast where he was making jokes about riding in the back of the car. Okay. Or like, oh, the premise was, the setup was, um, it was on, on TJ Squared, was uh, I guess one of the other hosts asked if you ever been in the car while like your homies getting topped off or whatever right. and he's like yeah like you know i was asleep and then i was asleep in the back of the car and i woke up and and my homie's driving and he's getting topped off and then i'm like yo mom dad what you doing <laughs> But that, but that's the kind of jokes he makes before the kale. <laughs> like like that's that's pre kale Julio. Like post kale Julio, he's just oh, like no. nah man. <laughs> um, oh. Yo, so why why did that selection stand out to you? Michael J. Matters over Elephant in the Room. Man, I'm not gonna lie. I did not listen to Michael Chase. Um, I know of it. I didn't give it a full rundown list. Uh, listen. 
It, yo, it really all depends on the first three minutes for me. If you make a, a impact, like you you garnered my attention for those first three minutes, I'm with it. And I think some of these comics, I, I get I get bored in those first three minutes and I'm gone. I, I want to find something else. Um, the phone, this phone has an uh, has an effect on me. You know, you can find media so quickly now. It's easy to skip somebody's shit if you don't like them within the first, I don't know how many seconds. Um... And maybe I am a I, I found my taste. I like I like listening to people that um so I, I'm I'm really good at self identity. So I was um really fat self conscious in middle school. So it made me um try to listen to more Louis C. K. Cause I liked how he was talking about himself being fat. It wasn't necessarily I like his form of self deprecation from that led to Bill Burr. Bill Burr, I like his anger and his, and his outbursts. They seem controlled, and yet it makes sense to why the outburst was needed. Um, and I just kept going from there and building up to what I like subjectively. Um, so you like you like Boston comics? Yeah, I, I guess so. I like them Boston comics. They're 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 just angry. They're angry, um, and it's a funny anger because my father's like that. Um, I feel like Spanish comics. They're too Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> they're too Spanish. They're too, they're too Dominican. They, they, you know, but they are that. They, if they come from that, where it's like my my father spoke Spanish in the house. All right, now I can't say nothing to that. But I personally, my father didn't speak Spanish in the house. He was he's from Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, do you ever feel like you need to like? So you mentioned like Sometimes. Spanish comedian. Like you feel like you you a Spanish comedian or like a, a Latin? I I feel like when I perform for a Spanish crowd, they they kind of sort of want that. Yeah. You know, every now and then I'll give them some, something that might sound Spanish or like a Spanish joke. But I really do feel like sometimes I've, I've performed in the past and it was like a full Spanish crowd. And I didn't necessarily do anything Spanish. And they almost felt disappointed. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because it's like it's ironic that you that you feel this way and then you have a wild Spanish name. Like, like you could throw a brick out this window and probably hit six Julio Diaz on the way down. Facts. Like it's a wild Spanish name. So it's like I feel like people might even see that and be like, oh, we got a Spanish comic on tonight. I, I mean, do you ever like lean into that though? I had sometimes I have no choice. Like I had a host one time and it was just uh it was a show, but he doesn't he didn't know me. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Oh, coming to the stage, Spanish poppy, because he read my name. So. <laughs> He just assumed everything. And he's like, Spanish poppy coming from Washington Heights. And came up with a whole, like, you know, uh, the, uh, black comics. So he's like, uh, arriba de ese. You know, he really, like, he really tried to cut my ass. So I get up on stage. I'm like, fuck you, bro. <laughs> we from the same hood, man. You know, this and that. I had to flip it on him. And it worked. But sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Um, non-spanish people when they read my name they they emphasize the ethnicity of it they be like oh come into the stage julio and then and then i get up i'm like hey what's up I'm from brooklyn <laughs> i don't even speak spanish <laughs> <laughs> i could but i don't i don't i don't want to be labeled as yeah. that's a spanish comic no disrespect to, yeah. to, i don't want to be labeled as oh he's a spanish first guy spanish first comic yeah. nah i don't i want to break out that bubble I'm a, I happen to be like I like I like Gabriel Iglesias answer to that it's, I'm a comic and I happen to be Mexican yeah and I found I thought that was dope amen yeah it opens up you're just not limited mm-hmm. is that something you you ever experienced yeah I'm yeah, in the same like, boat I'm, I'm I I identify 100% as Latino my album is called Immigrant Made with that said I don't say a single Spanish joke um 
I, I ironically do it because I want people to identify me as Spanish. I mm. want people to see that we're more complicated than that. Meaning, um, my dreams of like getting a sitcom on TV and things like that, I want them to acknowledge that, just like how there's 10,000 white TV-centric shows because you acknowledge that there's 10,000 different types of white stories, there's different types of Latinos. Facts. He is a Latino. He is completely viable as a Latino. Um, but... Just because his name is Diaz doesn't mean that his Latino story is the same as every other Latino story. His Latino story isn't any less Latino because of the fact that he doesn't say Latino with this accent. You know what I mean? He says it with English. Yeah. It's still a viable story, just like how you would say an Irish guy that was born here is different than an Irish guy born in Ireland or, or vice versa. We all... There's so many like different nuances to what it means to be Latin and be a comic that they need to hear the fact that a guy could come on stage, his last name could be Diaz, his last name could be Almonte, might not speak a lick of Spanish, and I'm still just as Latin as the guy that is. It's just a different lane of what that is. We're more complex than that. you know. So I feel that it's almost his responsibility as it is mine to make sure that I still rep DR. It's just you're not going right. to hear me say something in Spanish. Because I'm a type of Dominican. I'm this Dominican. I'm the Dominican that was born in Brooklyn. This is what I sound like. Yeah. And I'm one of them. Whereas there's a Dominican that's born in the Heights. There's a Dominican that's born in DR. And we all have different, viable, equally real Latino stories. So it's it, it's my responsibility to make sure that you know I'm Latino. It's just this is what Latino is to me. Not what you assume it is. Mm -hmm. Just like how you've had the chance as a white audience member... You've had the chance to experience all the different types of white en in entertainment because they've all told the nuanced stories. We haven't had that, you know. So real, like I can't even. When, what was the last Latino English sitcom? I can't even think of it. Like uh, George Lopez, I think had one. Now that we mentioned him, right? He had the family one. Yeah. So they had to kind of play up the. They played up the fact that they were Latino by uh, emphasizing the fact that they casted a bunch of people with Spanish accents. That doesn't change the fact that there is probably a family in that same neighborhood that they were mimicking that was just as Mexican as them, but maybe they were second generation Mexican, so they don't have the accents anymore. Yeah. Are they less Latino just because of that fact? No, I think it's a viable story. What if the what if the they would have done the sitcom on the life of his kids? Right, yeah. none of them would have had the accents because they were all born here. Are they any less Latino because of it? Is it less funny? No, it's just a different type of funny because now. His references or their references, Diaz's references, Almontes's references are going to be different because we're talking about what it's like to be a first-generation American Latin person. So it's not that I'm less Latin. It's just that I'm this type of Latin. So I don't want to be typecast as a Spanish-speaking comedian because I'm not a Spanish-speaking comedian. Right. I'm Latin. I can speak Spanish, but the way I feel about being funny happens to come out in English. If you want a Latin comic, there's tons of them. Go to that show. They're going to crush it too, but it's just not the lane I'm in. It's not the lane I'm trying to get, get into. And yeah. it's clearly not the lane he wants to be in, in either. And there's nothing wrong with that. You could carve it out however the however that way is, you know? Yeah. I mean, is, is it something that you face, uh, Julio, something that you face uh, consciously, where it's like you consciously have to like not do certain things, or is it more just like... You, you just free flow and what comes out comes out or like do you have to kind of navigate around not being uh, pigeonholed into like Spanish poppy um, it's, <laughs> it's more like, of, 
can't, I can't unhear Spanish poppy, by the way. Like, I'm just like, that's just. <laughs> <laughs> right, kind of redundant, please. too. You already called yeah. me poppy, bro. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, yo, continue <laughs> Spanish poppy. Uh, <laughs> it's more of a like. I just want to speak my truth and and then stick to that. Amen. And if you feel me, and if anything, you see how white comics or just comics that I feel like that are not Hispanic, they can tell their story and their background, and and people don't just like uh, let's say like a Louis or Bill Bill's Irish, right? Yeah. So every now and then he'll give you some Irish shit, but you don't. It just adds more detail to his character. You feel yeah. me? It's not like the, defi- the it doesn't define his the character. Defi- exactly. I don't want to be you know no no disrespect, but just because I don't want to be defined as that is because I was never that. Matter of fact, growing up as a kid, trying to be Dominican because I really do love being Dominican. They told me I was a gringo, mm-hmm. so I almost felt left out. So it made me want to find myself differently. I didn't yeah. feel. Like the, I want, I was going to be associated with that life. So let me let me associate yeah. myself with what I'm really about. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm from Williamsburg, and I'm, my family's Dominican. So I feel like if anything it gives me extra flavor, right? Like because I can talk about the American story. I can catch your attention. I can catch the white audience, black audience, Spanish audience. It don't matter because if we're growing up here or anywhere in the world, I don't broke down my shit so relatable where you don't necessarily need to know I'm Dominican until I want to tell you. Got it. Got it. I have a question, and this is this is a total sidebar because I'm I'm sitting here with two Brooklyn Dominicans, and I'm an uptown Dominican, and I don't know if do you guys also acknowledge the fact that there's a difference between Brooklyn Dominicans and uptown Dominicans? You're the first one that I've heard that doesn't have the accent. Yeah, I almost assume <laughs> that if you're an uptown Dominican, you still have a Dominican you know, accent. You know what it is? It's because it's because uh, when I first came from DR, I spent like the first ten years of my life, I spent them in East New York, and I feel like that definitely had an, effect, had an effect because yeah. it, in my on my block, I was the only Dominican. So it's like I I didn't grow up speaking Spanish outside. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like I like so like outside, I only spoke English. Like all my friends was you know from from here. So like. But then I moved uptown after I was like 10, 11 years old or something like that. Um, but there's, I feel like I've always seen like a significant difference between Brooklyn Dominicans and uptown Dominicans. Night and and I, I haven't like mm-hmm. pinpointed it exactly. <laughs> like I'm like, like it, it just started like as an adult coming back and meeting like Dominicans from Brooklyn. Like I have a few friends that are from Brooklyn, a couple from Williamsburg and a couple from Bushwick, East New York. There's this little Dominican pockets all over Brooklyn. And I'm just like, yo, y'all niggas is different. Like, yeah, like, like it's, it's weird. Like it's weird. And I don't understand why. <laughs> like, and, 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 but that's part of my point. Like, I feel like there should be, and thankfully because of the amount of uh, avenues, right? We're no, we're no longer restricted to four networks and only prime time. There's enough room for there to be three sitcoms where one's about a Dominican dude who's raised here from Williamsburg, one's about a Dominican dude who's raised here from uh, East New York, and one's from 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 the Heights. Yeah, those are three. To your point, they're very different stories. Yeah, and why why is it that we can have that level of nuance with three different white comics? Mm-hmm. Right, there's clearly a ton of shows about white comedians in New York, and they're slightly different. Oh, the the, the comedian that's struggling in the city. We've had those stories, right? With like the Mulaney show. We had the comedian that's successful but not rich in the city, like a Seinfeld. We've had shows about white people in Brooklyn, clearly, right? Like with the the Broke Girls and uh, whatever the, the HBO joint was. But we've had like shows that show the new, the slight difference. Oh, it's a completely different thing now. Even though it's such a, a small detail, they've acknowledged that that small detail significantly changes the life experience mm. of that white person. 
Yeah. That's the same for us. We have significantly different stories, even though we're Dominicans from New York because of the those little nuances. And they're different enough that they'll allow for what we create to be completely different and equally dope. And they'll and people will look at it because they're intrigued by it. It's just that so far they've been fed this story that Latino only means this one thing. Mm-hmm. And I get that it's easier to digest that. It's just like it's easier for me to think all white people are the same. Mm-hmm. But you've shown me that you guys have nuance, respect. There's a lot of beautiful art you've created. We also have a ton of dope different ideas of what we feel about our experience, and we'd love to share it. And thankfully, there's places now that are starting to open up to that. But I'd like to think that we'll be in a world where we can both have a sitcom as opposed to there's going to be one Dominican sitcom. You mm-hmm. better hire all 12 Dominican comics to write for it because otherwise y'all ain't working. And. And what do you feel you did in your special immigrant made to work towards that? Sure. Um, I, I specified a lot and I told very uh, East New York centric stories. And what I mean by that is uh, there's little things that I think I mentioned and I referenced that if you're from my hood specifically or you've been through it, you understand that they're from there. Um, and I'll reference this with like a, a Nas reference from earlier. When Nas put out Illmatic, in uh in, in in the one love song, he says, What up with Cormega? Did you see him with y'all together? Before Cormega was a rapper, he was a guy from that hood that was in jail. So throughout the whole album, he made all these dope songs that people thought were dope. But on top of that, he put these little kind of like uh Easter eggs all throughout the album for the real diehard fan from Queensbridge. You know, he put those in there, he layered them out so that yo, if you're a general listener, you might not get that. You're going to love the whole project. And then for the New Yorker, oh, yo, that's dope because I've been to Queensbridge. It's hot. you know. And I think that as an East New Yorker, I've d- I did that a lot throughout the project. I put a ton of little Easter eggs, whether it's in the trailer or uh, when you see the special, I actually divided it into three parts. And I literally have like a little mini kind of intro for each one of them. And I did that specifically because I wanted to show little nuances of what those things are. And I referenced a lot of little things about East New York. One of them I mentioned a lot of little things about uh, Bornau and DR because that's where my fam's from. And I wanted to kind of show some of the nuances of what makes this Dominican a little bit different than any other Dominican. And then also show some enough that it's relatable. So it, it's a challenge to do both. You're right. Um, but I, I, in terms of making sure that I show that it's an East New York story, I put in enough Easter eggs throughout that East New Yorkers are co-signing it. And that's what you'll see. If you see the comments of everything I've posted recently related to the album, half is people that are like, yo, this is going to be dope. I'm excited. I've seen you on this show. The other half is people saying, yo, this was shot on my block. Yo, I've been on that barbershop. And I want that connection. I want people to really feel like I'm advocating for East New York. Yeah. And I feel like it's an ignored neighborhood in Brooklyn. I want to advocate for them. I want to tell that story because I feel that there's enough nuance in that alone that it's different enough that it deserves to be told. And I feel like you guys have enough of a difference in your story that you'll relate to it, but you'll also say, oh, it'd be dope if they did that for my hood. Because mm-hmm. my hood has its own dope barbershop, its own corner that I would know. You know, like we have Pick and Ave in East New York. I don't know what the equivalent of that is in the Heights or in the Berg. Yeah. But I guarantee you there's a street that you know that you instantly, when you see Pick and Ave, you'll think of that for your hood. Just like people from Queens have the Ave. They have Jamaica Ave. Um, or people in Bushwick um, and Ridgewood have Knickerbocker. Yeah. There's like a street that you instantly connect as that's what my my street's version of that is. Mm-hmm. So when you see mine, 
there's moments throughout the special where you'll see East New York references that to an East New Yorker, they'll instantly know I'm telling the truth and that I'm real from there. And then to the general person from a hood, they'll still bond because they'll get that. Oh, we have one of those. Yeah. Yo, um, you mentioned one thing about uh, like like for example, you started posting the videos and all that, and and you seeing the the reaction of people in your comments, um, and I just wanna I I actually wanna get into like some of the Instagram stuff because I wanna know how much of it, like how does it relate to your comedy? Like how does it relate to how you structure things? If it does at all, like do you, do you look at social media, um, Poppy? Um, Big poppy, I don't know, light skin poppy. I don't know, we gotta get you a poppy name right now because it's just like, nah. But Julio, uh, do, do you like look at social media? Like, how do you? What's your relationship with social media? It's just an outlet to to um to promote myself. I've I've learned that um, let's say I have three shows in a month, right? I, I instead of just looking at it like damn I only have three shows so let me post it the week of or whatever I, I, now I'm going ham I'm going ham to the point where I'm like yo I got I'm just promoting it crazy yo to constantly reminding people and then as I'm doing that I'm sharing other people's things that I'm into and I just keep sharing and sharing and and, and it's crazy because uh, God helps those who help themselves so now people are like, yo, bro, you, you've been, you're doing your thing, or I see you busy, or I see you you progressing more. And really, I'm just promoting it more. I'm promoting myself out there more. And I, I'm, I'm really one of those comics where I do bring people out. If, if not two, at least five people to every show that I'm doing. Because every show that I'm doing, it means something to me. So um, social media is just an outlet so that I can stay connected to my friends. Because... Um, Honestly, I, if somebody likes my picture, I'll take that as support. I'm not going to lie. Like, especially since I'm putting up pictures that are about my shows, I, I appreciate the likes. Yeah. So I'll like those people's shits right back. If they say they like two in a row, I'm liking five. I'm just showing them that I, oh, I appreciate your support right back. And just constantly doing little things like that. Um, do you mean if social media affects the way I write my jokes? Yeah, like like so the the way I th the way so the way that the the topic came to my head is uh you know Andrew Schultz does uh the Brilliant Idiots podcast with Charlemagne, mm -hmm. so I guess he was he was trying to shop around his special, and um he wasn't getting anybody to buy the special, so he decided to sell it. I mean to put it up on YouTube in clips, right? So like it's like eight minute clips of of the special, um just to like aggregate views. Um, so that afterwards, you know, as opposed to releasing a one hour special that gets seen by 10 people, you have eight 10 minute clips that are viewed by 10 people each. So then now it's 80 views as opposed to that 10 for the entire special. Um, so I guess what, what that had me thinking was how much do you care about these numbers? Like, what do these numbers mean to you guys as comedians? Like, is it something where it's like, yo, you know, maybe I need to focus my comedy more in this area or like focus my comedy more on that area to try to like bring people in because i don't understand the writing process for comedy right but if i'm let's say i'm trying to come up with like a podcast idea right i might go into instagram and see all right this shit got a lot of likes a lot of people interacted with this particular piece that we spoke about or this particular piece maybe we should bring that topic back around just because of the engagement that it had and so my question was if that's something that you guys ever think about like do you guys ever think about like people really like when i talk about bonao you know people really like when i talk about my parents you know what i mean so it's like do you then go back and say let me focus on that in person 
Mm-hmm. I could tell on stage what 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 somebody likes. You could see it in the reaction. Yeah, but never from social media. Uh, like social media is just straight output. Yeah, honestly, I'm gonna keep it as that. But maybe you know a little more. Um, I'm not gonna take what somebody says on social media to to a big degree. Maybe I'll look at it, but I I see it in person. Yeah, especially with stand up, you see it in person. You see the reaction, so you know what works for you. You know what people like when you talk about. Um, recently, at a show, some um, this white lady came up to me. She was like, "I like you. Like, I still feel <laughs> like you need some work to do, but there's something about you. I like you. You, yeah. you have a likable character." And I know what she's talking about because, like you said, I'm going for that. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to build that trust. Like that's really important because I, I I stress this out to a lot of comics when they're like, "Damn, they wasn't vibing with me. They wasn't vibing with me." And I listen to that son. I'm like, you kind of didn't give him who you were. So when you say these things, it, it sounds almost outlandish because you're still a stranger to them. Yeah. They don't want to disagree with what a stranger says. Their laughter means they agree with you. If you can show some character and some in between they made a connection, now they vibing with whatever you say. Even if it's like that guy. It wasn't a hundred. He, he came up to me, yo, that roommate joke. It wasn't a hundred percent of what I said. But it was enough that I made a connection. I lost him throughout the joke, but he still was in his head. Probably like, yo, my God, my roommate, and he's done laughing. <laughs> yeah. So I can see that, and I just try to aim for what I see is, is just visible. Plus, every it's moment for moment. I, I don't use jokes where it worked here. The next day I had the same confidence, and it did not work. So you kind of have to, you know, finesse it in the moment. Yeah, yo, the shit sound, the shit sound impossible. What? Like just just writing to then go on stage and perform by yourself, right? Like and then writing jokes. The shit just seems impossible from here. And um, so I know that Julio, you're at a cool twenty. You feel like you could do a confident twenty. Yeah, yeah. At any point, um, you did you you just recorded your first album, a special. Yeah. Um, and that, and that's an hour. Yeah, it's, it's a little shorter. That's like fifty minutes. But yeah, fifty minutes. Yeah. So then, how? So I and and really like this is I guess more of a technical like a process standpoint. It's like how do you go about going from like twenty to fifty? Like like what's the jump between twenty to fifty? Because how difficult is it to write a twenty, and then turn that into a fifty? Um. Well, he's going uh, like how how long you been doing comedy now? I'm coming up on four years. Right. So. That the first twenty is four to five years of work because you have to keep in mind like what Julio's going through is not just writing the twenty minutes. He had to learn how to be funny, had to perform, he had to learn his writing process. So it's not fair to ask him how long it takes him to write a twenty because this is still his first twenty. Whereas the second twenty he's gonna write, he's already done all the legwork, right? Like if you ask Julio, yo, write a new twenty now. It's going to be a process, but it's not going to be four years yeah. because now he's he he knows now. Okay, I'm funny. I know how to be funny on stage. I know simple shit like get the mic stand out the way and you know uh, what jokes work for my voice or not. So the first twenty takes like four to six, seven years, depending on who you are um, and how adamant you are about uh, how persistent you are about that process. After that, it becomes a lot quicker. It might be. A year, some people even get it down to a point to where they could do 20 in like almost three to four months. Um, but it's a process that you hone, right? Initially, that first, like, literally, like, comics take 10 years to develop that first hour a lot of times, you know? It's because it's a process of you learning how to be funny, how to be yourself on stage, how to write jokes. All of those things are happening during that first 20 to an hour. Um, then uh, in terms of what's different between the two... 
it's all in your approach to comedy. So um, there's a lot of comics that are, it, it depends on your goals kind of thing. There's a lot of comics that their goal is to be incredible club stand-up comedians. So for that comic, their process is a particular way where they'll write a lot of jokes, they'll go try it at a mic, then the best stuff from the mic they'll try at shows, and they'll slowly keep building and adding. And the better and more experienced they are, the more they can kind of filter and speed that process through. Whereas there's other comics where um, they think more theatrically, like uh, Mike Birbiglia, where he's clearly thinking about telling a long-form story. Someone like that, I wouldn't be surprised if they literally think of an idea for an arc of a story and literally write it out and then make it funny. You know, So it's completely different in terms of what you're trying to achieve. Mike Birbiglia isn't doing three sets a night at the fucking cellar in, in Caroline's and Gotham. That's not his approach. Yeah. He's doing sets at Broadway for an hour. So not one isn't better than the other. It's just it's it's goal-centric. What are you trying to achieve as a comedian? That'll determine the process to which you write. Yeah. Um, Julio, do you, do you have... So so right now, you've been, you've been at the comedy for four years. Um, trying to perfect your stand up and, and working on your on your twenty and working on different sets. Um, do what's what's what does your future goals look like? Like what 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 is your area? Like do do you want to go like sitcom route? Sitcom route? Do you want to like write shows? Do you want to um, have like a one hour special? Like which directions do you see yourself going in? All of it. I don't want to have my eggs in just one basket. I honestly feel like the way I structure myself, I can do that shit all. Like. I'm not talking, I have jokes where it's something that I find funny and it's very different from something that is funny about me. Yeah. So I've learned to talk about what is funny about me that people can obviously see, like I'll come up with the fat jokes or whatever, Um, the family joke shit that I have no choice but to find funny. And then that's when I'll start spewing out what I find funny that cap, you know, like um, right now, um, a lot of people might say I don't have uh, life experience stories, yeah. relationship stories, shit like that. People really like those shits, but I personally don't want to talk about those yet because I feel like that this is funnier, especially from where I'm at in the introduction. Like, I want you to meet me. I'd rather you hear the Mr. Diaz stuff, my family stuff. That way, when I start getting into all that stuff, you see the growth. Because then the family stuff, that's going to help me write the sitcoms and all that shit or, what, you know, um, whatever the case is. But then the family stuff could also be my first hour. Boom. A nice yeah. little boom. Because I like that um, instead of just having the perspective of being my father's son and just having the son mentality, I'll fucking use what he talks about me because I find that shit funny too. So instead of just getting um, a, a, a son-daughter audience reaction... I want the father and mother too. So I'll say things about my father or my mother that they say about me being their child. Now I have the parents on my side. Yeah. Oh, this kid is funny. Yeah, my son is just like you. You're, y'all both bums or whatever the case is. I don't care because I can see why my father says that to me. Yeah, I don't spend enough time with myself to be like, yo, honestly, though. I like my shit to, you know, <laughs> shit like that. Yo, let me ask you, how how do y'all do, do? You guys watch a lot of specials, or or, or is it? Because I find that there's like an outtake intake balance. Like if you're like working in a particular thing, like if I'm doing podcasts, I can't listen to too many while I'm trying to plan one out because it'll start like inception. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, I start yeah. doing shit that I thought I thought of, but it was actually from this other show or like a derivative of this other shit or whatever. So it's like, how do you guys watch 
comedy specials? Like, how do you guys, like, do you guys sit down and enjoy them? Do you guys watch them and try to learn? Do you guys sit down and, like, like analyze? Do you guys sit down and compare? Like, and by compare, I mean, like, be competitive about it. Like, yo, I'm funnier than this nigga. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of <laughs> shit. Like, like, what's that experience like from, like, someone who's actively working in comedy? Uh, I do get a little competitive. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I do, and I try to numb it down. Try to yeah. give people a break, but sometimes I'll, I'll hear something. I'm like, you know, the certain they're getting pushed by certain. Who tell me? So what's his name? It's not a specific not person. Let's say if you're under the, the comedy central, <laughs> almost, 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 we almost had him. We almost had him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he had a name and a face. Like he had the whole shit in his face. Like, yeah, yeah, he was like that lie. nigga right there. He getting a push. He getting a push. <laughs> if you're under like the oh, hold on. No, no, we good for now. Okay, thank you. You welcome. If you under like a good night. If you yeah, that, like that a, was a that was a special feature from the studio cleaning lady. You heard? Wow. <laughs> come through, powerful, powerful. If you have a resume, <laughs> if you have a resume, you'll get a push. So like yeah. I've heard certain jokes. Like I, I like to go on camp, the Comedy Central standups on YouTube. I like mm -hmm. watching little clips now, and like certain clips, I'm like, why did they? You know, like the day. I feel like this is about me, by the way. So, yeah. so you know, you try. Hey, you know, this dude, he gets on Comedy Central. That's like, he gets yo, a little industry yo, push. There's some, there's some nigga from Brooklyn. I'm also from Brooklyn. You know, I got everything he's doing, but better. <laughs> nah, Dominican, he's Dominican. I'm Dominican. Dominican. I'm from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. Nah. <laughs> if anything is outside of. It's Hold outside up, I gotta pee real York. quick. Talk amongst yeah. yourselves. Find something that y'all got in common so that y'all could keep chatting while I go drop off <laughs> this urine. But. Oh, you know what? Tell them about the fucking the March Madness shit at Caroline's. Oh yeah, did you did you, did you uh, check into any of that? I don't know how to do any of that. I had a lot of friends in it. I was just telling him because, uh, and you'll notice it too. The you, you've heard of it though, right? The, mm -hmm. the March Madness thing. So it's just exciting because they've been doing it for like ten years now, and um, I'm like year seven right now, right? So I'm not that far. Like I don't, I don't want you thinking like, oh, this is old as shit or whatever. He's far ahead or whatever. It's the same shit. We're all in the same boat. But the thing that's happening is with all these contests or like the festivals, because I'm at year like seven or whatever, other comics that I've come up with now we're almost dominating these things. Right. Because we're like at that point now where we're like the next class. Right. So like everyone that's older than us, they all have jobs now. They're all like in TV. So it's dope. Like, oh shit, we're the next people. You know, like uh like a couple months ago, I hyped because uh, the the Knitting Factory show. All three of them are my friends. Like it's Marie, yeah, Sydney, yeah, yeah. You know, so it was like, oh shit, like we we got next type mm -hmm. shit. You know, so I did that show when they took over, um, and like the group of four, they were just a little bit ahead of me. So I knew them. They fucked with me, but I wasn't their people. You know what I mean? Like, I know the white guy. Yeah, Kenny DeForest. Yeah, yeah. I've done other shows for him, but I haven't done the Knitting Factory show he was hosting. Whereas now with the new group, I'm part of that crew. So they're like, oh yeah, you can rock. Because we all kind of came up together. So it's just dope because when uh, the March Madness brackets were announced this year, I was like, oh, shit, I know, like, fucking 40 other people. You know, like, that's insane. Like, whereas, like, when, it first, when I first saw it in, like, my second or third year, I think I knew one comic right. that was on the list. And, uh, and of the 40, like, I'm, like, legit friends with, like, 10 of them. So I was like, oh, fuck, like, this is dope. Like, it's my, it's my like, class kind of, like, coming up right now. I feel like a freshman still. I ain't going to lie. Right. It, I, it, I respect it, though. I'm not, like, one of those sour... But I see what you, I see, because, like, last year was Napoleon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I see that now. Because now you know factory. a dude like that, right? Like, it's not yeah. so far off. Like, oh, <laughs> shit, I know Napoleon. Like, I, I've seen him at shows. It's, it's, it's exciting. 
You know what I mean? Because like being real, like I don't, you know, I feel like I'm a sophomore. If anything, like I don't feel like I'm in. I don't, I, you know, I'm still trying to do shit. But it's exciting when like little things like that, that shift is starting to happen because it feels better. Like, like, uh, what do you have? You know, have you uh, do you know anyone that's made JFL yet? Like the Jimmy Just for Laughs, the festival. Oh, Just for Laughs. Um, Ashton. Right. So, how exciting is that? Like that first year when you're like, oh fuck, like because you feel closer. Like, oh shit, one of my boys got it. Right. You know. So like, I remember like vividly when Jonathan Morve got in it. He's a comic I came up with, and he got Just for Laughs. That was like two years ago. So I was like, yo, that's fucking dope. One of my people got in the fucking biggest festival in the world. Whereas this year it's like, yo, like six of my people was yeah. in this shit. Like we're the class now. It, it, it's just it's exciting to kind of see that. That's why I'm so hyped. I was like uh, just seeing like a friend of mine win it, and so many of my friends do well in it. Alex Babbitt did well. Yeah, uh, uh, Osama's in it, right? Yeah, Osama. Well, Osama was, was in it last year. I don't know if he was in it this year. Uh, That's still crazy to me. Yeah, he's super talented. Yeah, he got yeah. the cellar pass. Like those are comics that like I've come up with, and it's Eagle. just exciting seeing them do well. Eagle Wit, yes sir. Yeah, he's in every club. That well, shit is crazy because I remember going. Like you said, you you chill with these people. And it makes you excited. You're like, yo, it's. It makes you feel like it's possible. <laughs> right, exactly. Like it's, it's, this is an attainable thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, and and you 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 root for them because you like you see like, oh shit, like they got in. You know, it's it's another victory for the crew. Um, and it, it kind of shows you the lane to kind of follow. Like, oh, it, yeah, I like Eagle. I don't know him as well as I know Osama, but I can tell you one thing about both of them. Them dudes perform all the fucking time. Yeah. You know, so they, they show you very directly. This is what you need to do if you want to get into this kind of situation. So it's just dope to kind of see the the doors kind of open and now little by little you'll see more and more your people kind of grab those next seats. Right. So it's dope. And that's how people hopefully feel about what like the trailer and the special. That's why I'm getting so much love for it because it's a lot of people that are excited like, oh shit. That's one of our peoples, and he's like, he's got something like legit going on. Yeah, like the the last bit I want to talk about, and I'm I'm back from the urinal by the way. <laughs> welcome um, back, welcome back. The, the, the last piece I want to talk about is I, I really want to hear some more about your special because uh, one of the things that that's that's very dope to me is that um, you're you're super super reachable. Um, it's one thing that you made obvious last time was that on on Instagram you're making these moves and you 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 never shy away from being asked questions. And and you're you're and just off mic before we started, you gave me a whole bunch of suggestions that I'm gonna get right to. Like you know, what I mean, I had my fucking pen and paper out type shit. Um, so I want to hear more, and I'm sure that that Julio would also like just about putting it all together. And yeah. I'm talking about the like the the tinkering, like but like behind the curtain. You know what I mean? Like it because I know that it's more than just being funny, right? One hundred percent. So, I uh, like more about the technical stuff to put put a special together because not everyone's going. Oh, one thing you mentioned earlier, and I'm like everywhere, but you mentioned that you you're not gonna wait for someone to tell you you can put a special out, right? And and everything is digitized now. Everything is online. The barrier of entry is much lower to get your shit done. Yeah. So, what are like some of the some of the stuff behind the curtains? How you make the sausage where you you were able to. Put stuff together because, to my understanding, you're not rich, right? How? Um, and you know you're working with a budget. Um, you're, you're working out. You're working with limited resources. You're not this well connected dude whose dad is in show business. You right. know what I mean? You're you're <laughs> you're, not. you're one of us. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Like right, you're right. one of us. So it's like I, I want to hear more about putting that together. Like st- like not step by step, but right, just right. the 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 tangible things. Now, Dick. Um, um. First, like thanks <laughs> for like uh. 
uh, a scene that like I, I I do do a lot of work to make sure that uh, what I want to create is out there and a lot of that kind of doesn't get seen the amount of work um, but thankfully because of the output they're starting to see oh clearly something went into this because not everyone has those things currently um, with that said everyone has the possibility of doing it and that's kind of what's changed um, with the way the industry works and mind you, this is my opinion. I don't want to like uh, assume that this is the only way. I'm just saying that up until this point, if you were a comedian, you had to do a very specific list of things. You had to do a ton of open mics. After you got pretty good at doing open mics, you had to uh, sign up for late night at clubs. And if they liked you, they would let you perform at 2 in the morning when all the shows were done. And you would be there performing, hoping to keep the the people that were at the club there longer and buying drinks and you would slowly work your way to your past and then when you're past you would slowly work your way to your doing the the Fridays and Saturday spots and then at that point you would start getting recommended for late night spots on TV maybe agency people come to see you at these shows etc 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 what's changed is because there are so many more avenues for your art to be consumed in, right? You literally control it yourself. You can put out your own sketches without including any network because it's so much more affordable to buy a, a valid camera. You have one on your phone. You can shoot professional shit on your own. Um, it's so much easier to put up a show now because equipment is cheaper. Locations in New York in particular are vast. So you could put on a respected show that's well attended, that's free outside of the club circuit in New York that's just as reputable. Case in point that like we talked about with the uh, comedy at the net on Sundays. Marie, uh, Sydney, and uh, Imani put on an incredible show every week. And before that, Kenny DeForest and Will Miles and uh, blanking on the third. Sorry about that, homie. Um, and uh, it was three of them. It was F3, I'm blanking. Uh, Will, there you go. Will was the third. And before that, Hannibal Burst. They're comics that worked on their craft and decided, you know what, I need to keep performing even when there isn't a venue for it at the club. So they made one. And now it's the thing. So because of those venues, we are able to get good outside of the traditional system. And now, because of the advancements of technology with the Netflix, with the YouTube, with the Instagram, with the Facebook, we're now able to not only get good on our own in the street, but now when we are good, we control how the content comes out. You can still do the traditional avenues. I've used them. I, I, I'm very, pardon me, I'm very proud and happy and want to do again other appearances on Comedy Central. Um, and I love them and they help me without question. By the same token, you no longer have to wait for Comedy Central to say, yo, we're going to put an hour, an hour out for you. Because now if you feel, yo, I have an hour that I'm ready to put out, you can record it on your own. You can put it out on your own. You can make those calls. Um, the challenge, if anything, is going to be the other way. You're going to have to be self-aware enough as an artist to decide, you know what, it's not good enough yet. Um, but in terms of the ability to put it out, that's completely changed. So when you talk about a guy like Andrew Schultz, he's made a decision that he's like, you know what? I believe in my content. I believe in the 10 years of stand-up that he's done. And he's deciding that if I put this out, people are going to rock with me. And then the industry will come to me. But they'll come to me now on my terms because I've built the audience. Um, and that's kind of a decision I've made. I feel like right now I have content that if marketed and if uh, made available to the general public, people would rock with me. And it will open doors that if I went through the traditional way of going through the 
getting past at the late night spot circus would take me way too long. So I feel that if I show this hour to the general public, people will see, oh shit, he's actually dope and ready. I just didn't notice it because he did seven years at all these bar shows first. You know, he went out, he went out, he went in the non-traditional venues, but he's still putting the time. So I, I feel that I have a project that I could present that will validate what I feel already in my gut that I'm good now. And in turn, what I'm hoping is with that, the industry will now come back to me. They'll say, oh, you know what? We missed the boat on this. We messed up. Let's correct that. Kind of like uh, we talked about with Jay. Mm -hmm. He put out his own project first because he, he, he felt this is pro ready, even if you guys don't believe it. But I'm going to give you proof of concept by getting my own people to buy it. Yeah. I'm going to put it out first and you're going to rock with me. Um, with that said, how do you go about doing that? Um, there is a certain level of professionalism that um, is severely lacking in any time you, you talk about artists. Um, and comedy, thankfully, uh, I think they've improved a lot in terms of how we interact with each other, um, how we are as people. You hear a ton of comics from uh, probably 15 years ago uh, discussing moments when they were very unprofessional with each other and super crazy stories that are fun to hear, but in turn um, aren't probably ideal for building business relationships. Whereas now you see more and more people, you know, like Julio, very PC on the, on the mic. I, I crack jokes on him, but he's doing the right shit. He's, he's literally making sure that when you talk to a dude like him, you're going to know, okay, that's somebody that isn't going to fuck something up. He's going to talk professionally. He's going to handle himself well. You know, uh, email correspondence, being on top of those things properly so that when the opportunities present themselves, they see uh, that you're going to present yourself a certain way, asking for spots on shows. Um, there's a big difference between, yo, your shit is hot. Can I be on it? Versus, hey, uh, my name is Gastro Almonte. I'm a comedian from such and such. I've been to your show the last two weeks. I really enjoyed this and that and the third. I'd really love to be on the show. It'd be an honor. Here's a tape to my stuff. If not, no pressure, but, you know, I'd love to be on it. I'll see you next week anyway. Um, yeah. You know, there's a huge difference in that. Look, that that's, a, that's a template right there. I'm going to upload that to <laughs> IG. Like, that's content right there. That's my that's my, my second piece of content besides the podcast. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> that level of professionalism needs to translate to everything you do. So now we're at a point now thankfully where comics are doing more things like that where they're being more professional with their direct direct contact now we got to take it to the next level be professional in your planning so when we talked before uh about how to put out an hour you know as an artist how to plan out the hour did you do the work to make sure that the hour was successful meaning you you spent the whole seven eight ten years working on this perfect hour did you work a job during that time and save up, you know, 20 grand to pay for the photo shoots, pay for the publicists, pay for the bus that you want to um, rent out for the tour, whatever the case may be. Whatever it is you imagine and you envision as the perfect thing, you should be planning that out beforehand so that when it's time to put out the hour, to your point, the complaint isn't, I don't have money, I don't have the hookups. Mm -hmm. Because now those numbers are a lot more affordable. So a publicist might run you six grand for a three-month contract or whatever. That's a lot of money. But is it an insurmountable amount of money? I don't think so. I think that's a number that if you know for a fact I need six grand for this in two years, my album's going to be ready, I'm going to record it, I'm going to promote it, you know that beforehand. And you know that if your goal is to get press with this album and you want to get an industry attention and hiring a publicist is going to help you with that, you should be able to plan for that goal. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm getting at is uh, the professionalism now needs to extend to business planning. You need to literally figure out, okay, I need to budget aside 
$500 every six months so I could hit up uh, somebody like Mindy or a Jenny or, you know, one of these, like, really dope comedy photographers so I can get really unique pictures every six months. I need to budget out money so that every two years I could pay for a publicist to really promote my new album or my new podcast or my new sketch series so that they could get it the attention that it deserves because I put in time to create this perfect piece of art. It's a damn shame if I didn't put in time to make sure that it gets seen. Yeah, and too many c comics and artists in general, I think, do this. They don't think of that part of it. Yeah, that's not how their minds are wired. I feel I like you're talking. You're like talking right to my heart right now. <laughs> like it's like like it's like talking. It but, matters. Like mm -hmm. you look how much time. Like right now, we're talking about you. We're on your podcast. Look how much time you're investing in it. At the minimum, twelve episodes, twelve hours. Yeah, and that's super low. I know for a fact. Every episode is two to three hours. I know for a fact you get here before us and you mm -hmm. leave after us. Yeah, That doesn't include editing time. It doesn't include uh, uh, taking the pictures, posting that. You're going to invest 60 to 70 hours on the low end on this project. What's your goal? What are you trying to achieve with this? I don't know what it is. But whatever that is, it's impossible for it to work if no one hears it. So now you need to, before putting it out, you should spend just as much time thinking about what can I do to maximize the listeners that this gets. And just the same amount of time you spent planning it, you need to spend that same amount of time respecting it and figuring out how to get it to, to be heard. So right now, your first, you know, four to five years as a comic, like a Julio, I did the same shit. Four, four to five years, all I cared about was being funny because that's the focus. If I'm not funny, none of it matters. But now when I, when I got lucky and I got that first TV spot, then the second one and the third one, I was like, oh, shit, now I'm leaving money on the table because now I have nothing to take advantage of that, right? So what can I put out that would best leverage the attention that I'm getting and would also meet um, help me get to the goals that I'm trying to get to. So I thought about it. Did I, uh, Somebody mentioned right away, you should put out an album. I felt that I didn't have an album at the time. I was like, I can't do that because if I do that, it goes against what I'm trying to build. It's going to be short of my expectations as an artist, so I'm not going to do that yet. Um, so I, I instead started focusing in on getting other placements that were story centric because I felt I had a few of those and to continue to build more buzz. So I got, you know, the the PBS appearance and things like that that fit what I can do. Um, and then in turn, when I had the album ready, when I felt ready for it, I recorded it. Um, most comics would have put it out sooner. I recorded it in October, but I felt that I needed to set certain things up. I wanted to hire a publicist that could get it attention. I wanted to wait because my publicist contract lined up at a time where the first bit of press I was going to get happened to be February 20th. Um, that week is also the week of Dominican Independence. So that's not a coincidence. I wanted to line up to get that first bit of buzz as, oh, this guy's album's coming out in April. It's called Immigrant Made. There's a huge Dominican flag on his shoulder. It's coming out during Dominican Independence Week. Got me a couple more hits. Um, I lined up the album with all of my TV appearances. So now it looks like I'm building something. You know, so if you follow me on IG, I look godly the last six months. You know, like, oh, damn, this dude was on Vice. Oh, he's on Comedy Central. He's on Comedy Central again. Call my attention. Right. Like, it, it, thank you. I appreciate it. That, that, was, that means it worked. Word. You know, but that was planned. Whereas if I, if, I, if I did all those things artistically that I'm proud of, but I didn't put in the work to make sure that it led somewhere, I messed up. You know, and I didn't mess up as an artist, but I messed up as a business person. And if I don't put in the same effort into my business, it makes it harder for me to keep making art. So I, I get the fact that, you know, people want to be pure and it's like, nah, that's not what matters. I, I appreciate that. But by the same token, I want to keep telling jokes. So I need a certain amount of this to pay off in some way. And the best way to do that is that.
immigrant made man i mean i you i know you took a lot of special efforts to, to make sure it was immigrant uh immigrant made not only in name but also on top of the content that you set up i know that you also staffed all immigrants to produce it that was a big deal you told us that in the last episode which was dope dope look Thank um you. because you really made the fight bigger than you and that's that's important for all of us you feel me um so point is Y'all ain't even shit on my bracket that bad. <laughs> Julio don't even watch comedy. <laughs> <laughs> my man's a savant. He just good. He don't even study the greats. He's, like, he's nice. He's like, what's that? This stand-up specials? People do that? <laughs> oh, that's what we working on? I'm uh, just funny. You don't worry about it. <laughs> Yo, Julio, you got any shows coming up before we wrap? Uh, April 12th I'm on a really good show By Eva Evans Shout out to Eva Evans Shout out to the women in comedy They're doing really big things So Eva Evans got me on a show Called Mascaras and Spliffs Oh nice It's at the Brooklyn House of Comedy April 12th It starts at 8 o'clock And come out to support Cause she throws on really good shows The lineup is packed um, Word up DM me I'll, I'll buy you your ticket Cause I'm gonna go I'm gonna need House somebody to go with so. They do great work out there Real supportive room For new comics That is probably The most welcoming Open mic I've ever seen on April 12th On yeah. a Wednesday No no well The show's on a Saturday Or Friday April 12th I'm, I'm sorry but they, Friday Friday Thank you And Brooklyn House of Comedy Throws a really good Open mic on Wednesdays At 5 o'clock Yeah it? Mm. Like as a new comic, you I don't care what part of the city you're in, you should be at that mic. It is incredibly well run. I believe her name is uh, Joanne uh, yeah. Brindley. I forget her last name, but Briley? she Briley. I I know it's Joanne B. Uh, she works at the MTA during the day, and she's a super super uh, incredibly uh, polished stand up comic. Really dope, and she's like one of the heads of that room. Really dope work she's doing out there. The, they need a lot more love. They're doing incredible work out there. Real Fire. Exactly. And then um, I know, Gaster, you have the album coming out. Yeah, April Immigrant 5th. Me. The album comes out April 5th. Please pre-order. I am looking to uh, hit that number one on iTunes thing, so I would love any bit of support I could get with that. April 12th, the uh, special Immigrant Made will be streaming exclusively on Amazon Prime. So if you got Amazon Prime, you pay that $129 a year, you'll get to watch it for free. Um, and also uh, April 7th, which is a Sunday, will be the album release party at Come On Everybody. Um, I'm doing a co-release with the homie Jess Solomon. Her album comes out the second. So we're celebrating together. Uh, insane lineup. I think it's public now, right? You said this comes out Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, lineup includes my homegirl Shalaya Sharp, just featured on HBO. My boy Greg Stone, headlines all over the city. Uh, Iman El Hussani, really dope comic uh, from Canada, uh, also married to Jess. And then uh, the two big things, we got uh, the home, the head writer for Deza Samero, uh, my man Josh Gondelman. And of course, the homie, the guy that kind of put me on a comedy, Roy Wood Jr., will also be a parent. So all that for April $7. Nice. $7? Yep. I could buy that right now? You can buy them right now. I'm about that shit right now. already 70% sold out. So I'm, I'm about that action. I'm about to buy that shit right now. I'm hoping by the time this airs, you can't get in anyway. All right. <laughs> Yo, thanks for listening. It's Eggs on Everything. Season one's a wrap, fellas. Yo, thanks for helping me wrap this up. You're thank you for well having me. Well done. Bro. Well done, brother. <laughs>